Hello and welcome to part two of the Great Irish Summer podcast series from the Irish Examiner. My name is Owen O'Sullivan. I'm an arts writer and journalist with The Examiner, and I'll be the host slash adjudicator today as I'm joined by arts editor Des O'Driscoll. Hello, Des. Hello, Owen. And arts writer Marjorie Brennan. Hello, Marjorie. Hi, Owen. And on this episode of The Great Irish Summer, we're going to run through what you should be watching, reading and listening to over the next couple of weeks and months. What should you have on in the car to get you hyped for your holidays? And what should you be searching out on Netflix, Disney Plus and all the other streaming platforms and on the TV to keep you entertained if and when the rain comes on your holidays? Coming up later, we're going to talk to film journalist and critic Esther McCarthy about the best movies on streaming and in cinemas, if you're so inclined. But first, let's talk about TV shows. And really, I think there's only one place to start this year. There are not one, but two new documentaries about the murder of Sophie Toscan Duplantier in Skull in 1996. Jim Sheridan's Murder at the Cottage, which is all available on Sky Crime, was first out of the traps, followed by Sophie, A Murder in West Cork, which was released on Netflix on the last day of June. Guys, do you think it is surprising to see interest so renewed in this case, which follows the release of the West Cork podcast a few years ago, which was, I think, a podcasting sensation? Marjorie, maybe I'll start with you. You've watched Sophie a murder in West Cork on Netflix, haven't you? Yeah, I suppose it's coming up now in December on 25 years. Sophie Toscan de Plantier was brutally killed in West Cork. So I suppose there is that, the fact that it's still unsolved. Also, the fact that every now and again, it seems to kind of resurrect itself in the public imagination uh, because of some court case or other. Like, I think there's so much there, isn't there, really? the setting, the victim, Sophie, and the whole circus, I suppose, the media circus that came with that, the, the twists and turns of the investigation. Uh, you had a libel trial thrown in for good measure. So yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's surprising that it still holds a place in the public imagination. I suppose where the Netflix three-part documentary series comes in is that it's very much reclaiming Sophie's part in the story, I think. Um, yeah, I've seen most of both series and I enjoyed both of them. Uh, I suppose the Netflix one really has the family weight and brings it back to the story of Sophie herself. And it's very moving with the son and the rest of the family. Um, but I also enjoyed the Jim Sheridan one. Um, and I suppose as part of that, Ian Bailey is a very interesting character in his own right. So yeah, enjoyed them both. Okay, so those are two of the biggest releases and ones that I'm sure Cork people will be watching and binging on over the next few weeks and months. Um, Des, what other TV are you watching at the moment or what have you been enjoying? I suppose I think the other biggie of recent months has been Mayor of Easttown. And I suspect it's one that'll be on a lot of people's summer's lists as well, uh, just because a lot of people missed it first time around and it's available to view on Sky now and their subscription service. So been watching that, really enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. Um, also great to see Gene Smart back again, you know, someone kind of familiar face from before, kind of revived in Watchmen and is just brilliant in this. Yeah, I watched it as well. And I mean, I did binge it. Okay, so I obviously enjoyed it. But did it not feel that it's about seven series in one? It's almost like a crime show. It's a coming of age story with uh, the daughter going off to college and trying to find herself. It's it's like seven different shows all like put together in uh, a couple of episodes. Like obviously Kate Winslet is amazing in it and like she's worth it alone. But uh, I almost was watching it and I was just thinking like, I've seen all of these storylines before. I just haven't seen them in like one TV series. What did you think of it, Marjorie? Yeah, uh, would you believe I couldn't I couldn't stick with it. Uh, <laughs> so I'm very much in the minority. It was very reminiscent for me of Happy Valley. 
Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that. Sarah Lancashire stars in it. Brilliant. Uh, ITV or BBC, I can't remember. Grim, you know, grim subject matter. Same, same thing, a police officer in a deprived community um, in England. So I think it was just basically that transplanted. I thought Kate Winslet was incredible. Uh, Jean Smart, same. Actually, uh, Jean Smart was also fantastic in the second season of Fargo, the kind of rebooted Fargo, well worth watching. She was kind of a, a crime matriarch in that. But yeah, I just, I just found the subject matter a bit too, too grim, you know. I'm not sure, Jess, if I'd recommend it for summer holiday viewing, but you're each to their own, you know. <laughs> well, the thing is, I don't think that you'd want to uh, leave the house after watching it just because it is yeah. so easy to to binge as well that you'll end up missing half your day if uh, if you do decide to watch it. <laughs> so if if you didn't quite enjoy Mayor of Easttown, Marjorie, what TV have you been enjoying recently and would you recommend over summer? Yeah, I think the, the year, the year and a half that we've had, Owen, I've, Definitely veered towards the kind of lighter escapist side of things. I thought Lupin was fantastic. Uh, it's a kind of a, co- a caper stroke heist movie uh, with an amazing central performance from Omar C. I believe it was the first French series to kind of crack the Netflix top 10 in the US. Just, you know, really well paced, fantastic story, great kind of structure to it, you know, flashbacks, kind of time jumps. And it's also got a bit of a kind of a social justice heart as well, because it looks at issues in, in France, it's set in France and Paris, you know, issues including racism, corrupt policing and miscarriages of justice. So, you know, it's a really, really good watch based on the kind of gentleman burglar trope, Arsène Lupin, uh, who's a very well-known character in French literature. So I would highly recommend that. And the second season has just dropped a few weeks ago. And another show that uh, I know that you're a fan of, Ted Lasso, the second season of that is coming uh, on July 23rd. Tell me what you like about this, because this seems like a a kind of a word of mouth sensation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't say enough about Ted Lasso. I'm, I'm a bit of an evangelist. I actually signed up for Apple specifically to watch this show because I'd seen so much great stuff about it. Uh, Got a great pedigree, um, showrunners, all of that. But it's just, you know, it's heartwarming, funny, but it's kind of, you know, razor sharp script. You know, I love good writing, kind of a Brooklyn Nine-Nine vibe about the writing, you know. Um, But Jason Sudeikis is just incredible. There's a fantastic supporting cast uh, about an NFL coach who goes and takes over a struggling um, English soccer team. Um, There's also kind of a, a character who's a bit of a, homage to Roy Keane which I think Irish and Cork people will enjoy I just say you know watch this it's 10 out of 10 outstanding. Uh, Des what other shows do you have on your list that you'd recommend? One from earlier this year the third day I think another one that a lot of people missed uh, it was on Sky Atlantic again it's another one from the Sky Now stable it's, uh, it was made by Dennis Kelly, who did that Utopia show on Channel 4 a few years ago. And just like that, it's a little bit strange, a little bit offbeat, but really draws you in. It is Paddy Considine, Jude Law, Naomi Harris, really good cast. bit strange, bit original, but very, very good. Oh, I haven't heard that. So I'll, um, I'll, I'll be checking that out. I'm also looking forward to Sexy Beasts on Netflix. Again, I'm not one for dating shows, but this sounds interesting. And just because it is Rob Delaney as well from Catastrophe, he's doing the narration on it. It's kind of a format that popped up on BBC Three a few years ago, where the people in the dating show, they're made up with prosthetics. They're dressed as animals and all these strange creatures and they're matched up. And the whole thing sounds mad, but fun. Hmm, interesting, a dating show. We're we're not mentioning Love Island, are we? Avoiding it, really. Yeah, if if I did, I'm not sure I'd admit to it. No, I I, I never got into it. I just, uh, I don't know, maybe it just made me feel inadequate. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just before we go, I I have a couple of tips as well. Uh, One show that I binge-watched in about two days last week was Invincible. It's a superhero series, but for adults. It's got loads of gore. 
it's got swearing it's got really interesting storylines that i don't think that i've seen before in other superhero programs or movies or comics it's by walking dead creator robert kirkman and the eight episode debut series is available on amazon prime so i would highly recommend that um there are plenty of other superhero shows as well if you're into that sort of thing loki is finished on disney plus WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier were earlier this year. So they're all from Marvel and all available on Disney Plus if you're if you're into that sort of thing. And then completely different. Tim Robinson's sketch show, I think you should leave, was a bit of a sensation two years ago on Netflix. It came out of nowhere. I hadn't heard of it, but uh, it's just this sketch show that is just riotously funny. It's just really weird ideas that are explored and it's something that i don't think streaming services have offered before but the way that it was received um, makes me think that there'll be a lot more of this coming over the next couple of years but tim robinson was first out of the gates with it and season two was released on netflix at the start of july and the best thing about it episodes are only about 20 to 25 minutes perfect perfect i like that too Owen. actually yeah the first season i thought it was really different um yeah, like you said, nice short episodes. Also, Bo Burnham inside. I forgot about that. That's worth the watch. Yeah, kind of lockdown stand up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Is there any other TV that, that we need to mention that we really, really want to uh, mention or get any hot takes off our chests before we move on? Um, Walking Dead final season coming in August. Um, show that's been going for about 10 years or so. Great at the start. Dipped in the middle. Has been mixed recently. But I suspect a lot of people will come back to it just to see the conclusion. So hopefully they will conclude it well. Fair, fair play to you, Des. You stuck with it all this time. Gave it up so many times, I tell yeah. you. Fell off the wagon yeah. again. Yeah. A lot of people jumped off that wagon, I think, a long time ago. But I suppose my one big recommendation wouldn't even be a show. It's, it's more a service. Um, I'd say to people, if you're going on holiday somewhere with a half-decent Wi-Fi connection, sign up for an entertainment pass on Sky Now. I don't want to sound like an ad for them, but I think it's about €15 Euro for a month, and it's fairly easy to join or leave. You don't need a dongle. You watch stuff online with your phone or laptop, and there's just loads of stuff on there. I suppose we all know about the Netflix ones. But this service, you'll get recent shows like Mayor of Easttown, Succession, Chernobyl. And they also have loads of the old stuff like The Wire, The Sopranos, Curb Your Enthusiasm. There's just so much on there. So that's all of um, our TV picks for you to watch, maybe to go back on. And a few things to look forward to as well. There's also plenty of films that are out this summer, both on streaming and back in cinemas which have reopened in Ireland so for more on that we'll go to Esther McCarthy for more so delighted to be joined on the great Irish summer podcast by film critic Esther McCarthy hi Esther how are you getting on today hi Owen how are you all good all good yeah, I'm great as well. Great to finally get the chance to talk to you. And over the next 10, 15 minutes, we'll see how long we go. We're going to be talking about some of the big movie releases of summer 2021. Of course, summer films mean blockbusters. And I guess there's only one movie that we can start with. Marvel has come to dominate the space of blockbusters in the past decade or two. And that's no different this summer with the release of Black Widow. Tell me more about this. I've yet to see it. I'm a bit of a Marvel fan, so I, for one, am looking forward to this. What about you? It's really enjoyable. I would say the first hour is great, and I would say the second hour is grand. And yeah, that is that lovely little Irish put down. <laughs> it does a lot right, though. There is a lot to enjoy about it. I think we always knew the Black Widow was ripe for better storytelling, you know. She jumps out of the sky a lot in the background of the Avengers films, and she's pretty good with a high kick. But 
man, that story hadn't been explored properly. The fact that Natasha Romanov had a background as a KGB spy. Come on, who do, who doesn't want to know more about that life? Um, and so they announced this a couple of years ago. And of course, it's been delayed because of uh, the year like no other. But it is now released in cinemas. And you can also um, stream this one at home on Disney Plus with premiere access for $21.99. Uh, I think it's worth the money. I think Florence Pugh is officially a superstar if she wasn't already. Um, I've loved everything she's done in recent years from Midsommar to uh, Fighting With My Family, a lovely Lindy English film which she plays a wrestler in, which is very underseen, I think, and is great fun if, if people are looking for something to see tonight. And she's just so good in everything she does. And like Lady Macbeth was her big calling card, of course, in 2016, introduced her as a, a, as a star of independent cinema. And I just love how she's mixed it up since, you know, drama, horror, uh, stole the show in, in the latest adaptation of Little Women, almost steals the show from Scarlett Johansson here. But what is lovely about that is Scarlett's happy to go along for the ride, the two of them bounce off each other so magnificently that um, it really works well. And she's, she seems very content to share the stage with um, Florence Pugh's char character is Yelena. She has a background with, uh, I'm reluctant to give away too much because the Marvel people will come and kill me. I know that. But she, she is a kind of a sister-like character to Natasha. They have a, a shared experience of a background that is explained in a prologue at the very beginning of the film, which goes back to the 1990s. They are kind of traumatised by that because they, we find out the full circumstances as to why they ended up in the Red Room being trained up for combat to work for the KGB. And it's the details quite a reveal. Uh, so you've got a bit of heart and soul going on there straight away, but you've got loads of banter as well, thankfully. Um, she mocks... Scarlett Johansson's Natasha, the way a proper little sister should do. There is lovely self-referential um, jokes about stuff like, you know, her posing and her Marvel poses as Black Widow and stuff like that. And it's really it really works quite well, I have to say. But especially for me in the first hour, because it's a Bourne movie. There are four huge action sequences in the first 40 minutes, and they're just fantastic. Um, it's pretty visceral, non-stop action, proper boring stuff, hand-to-hand -hand combat, a face-off with a tank that ends up in an underground station somewhere. You just go, you literally can't believe your eyes, but you're so entertained. And uh, it's really, really good stuff, this. And then, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, about halfway through, it remembers to be a Marvel movie. And in doing so, it still plays quite well. It's still quite good fun. And the banter in particular is really good in this one. But in doing so, I suppose it falls into the conventions of a comic book blockbuster a little more than what had gone before that. Because I think she's like Batman, isn't she, Black Widow? Like she's good at a high kick and stuff like that and looks great in a suit. But she doesn't actually have any superpowers, Natasha Romanoff. And I thought it was a brilliant idea to frame that in an action film or a spy thriller. I just thought it worked perfectly well. And I think it was an opportunity um, to have a more of a, of a diversion, turn down the side alley of Marvel, I suppose, rather than a prequel or a sequel. Though this one is set after the um, events of Captain America Civil War. So around 2016, when the band have all broken up and gone their separate ways and she's um, out as a vigilante again, all kinds of baddies, chasing her, people blaming her for stuff she hasn't done, uh, Yelena annoying her every step of the way, and then some huge, huge reveals that we won't go into in the latter half of the film. I enjoyed this. I wanted it to stay, stay being a Jason Bourne movie, though. I would have been quite good with that. I suppose the obvious question that people will be wondering if they aren't Marvel fans is, can you watch this without having seen the other stuff? Will you understand what's happening straight away? Well, as a casual Marvel fan, I had to get my uh, compass and charts and uh, do a bit of Googling on, on, on sites such as Den of Geek, which has a really good explainer, actually. But I wouldn't recommend watching, looking at that until after you've seen the film. No, for sure. I think the Marvel world has become so vast and complex now that you'd, it, the films do feed into each other, whether you like it or not. And I, I find it a bit of a distraction at this stage, to be honest. But if you're a proper dyed-in-the-world Marvel fan, 
how do those guys remember everything that happened in every other film? I have met these people. I do not know how they do it, but they do. And if you're rich in that detail, you be, you will be so very rewarded, I think, by what emerges in this film. Yeah. And it's great to see Scarlett Johansson as the main name on the poster as well because I was thinking oh it's been ages since we've heard from Scarlett Johansson and I was just looking at her filmography there and I forgot I almost forgot about Marriage Story a bit of a different um, film that she was in back in uh, 2019 so she's certainly in a bit of a different role this time around. I mean, she's just killing it at the moment. Like she was, she was on double double award circuiting last year for for Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit, if we remember, um, which she wears so easily. I think she's a very generous actor like that. You see it here with um, with Florence Pugh, and you see it in Jojo Rabbit, and that she, you know, let the story and that little boy's character take center stage. Um, but I just think she. She rarely puts a foot wrong. Since she burst onto the scene in The Horse Whisperer, she was only 13 years of age, you know, and, and in Robert Redford's film. And she'd already done a couple of things before that. But like, she was just a revelation in that film. Everyone's gone, who's that girl in the, in the way when you, you see what's eating Gilbert Grape with Leo DiCaprio? You know, when you see a young performance like that, you go, oh my God, who is this person? And what are they going to do next? And I think she has very rarely put a foot wrong since then. She's given a chance to act here as well. There's proper stuff going on. There's proper drama. There's and because the two we get to know the two the two leads so well, the two women so well. You are invested in their fate, and there's real pearl along the way as well. And uh, it's nice to see them given her being given a chance to do something with that character. Well, that is Black Widow, which came out earlier in July and is available on Disney Plus for people to stream or it's also in cinemas if people are going to be making their way back to the cinemas this summer. We're going to talk about music later in the podcast, but one film that you have on your list is certainly one that I'm looking forward to checking out this summer as well. It's called Summer of Soul. Do you want to tell us more about that? Yeah, I can't wait to see Summer of Soul. So, you know, everyone talks about Woodstock and how if you were there, you shouldn't remember anything about it. But in 1969, just 100 miles south of Woodstock, down the road in Mount Morris Park, there was a festival playing called the Harlem Cultural Festival. And the footage in this festival was never seen and kind of largely forgotten. And it's extraordinary that that was the case because on the bill included Nina Simone, Stevie Wonder, Sly and the Family Stone, amongst many others, Gladys Knight and the Pips as well. Amir Thompson is a debut filmmaker who has made a part documentary, part music film and part historical record um, set around that epic weekend that celebrated black history, culture and fashion, of course, and, and will feel very relevant to what's been going on in the last couple of years uh, in terms of diversity and, and the fights people have had to have for that. I cannot wait for this. I know somebody who's seen it and they said to me, do you remember Amazing Grace, the Aretha Franklin concert movie from two years ago? And I said, I'm in, that's it, I'm in. Uh, one of my favourite concert films the last couple of years, if you haven't seen it, folks, it's it's knocking around late, late night TV now. So, yeah, I cannot wait for this. And I haven't seen any of the footage ever. And I'm going to wait till I see the film. It sounds mad that all of this footage was just lying there for 50 years. And finally, it's been made into this documentary. Like the trailers look amazing. The concert footage looks amazing. And I'm sure it'll sound great as well. Of course, you said his real name. Uh, the director also goes under the name Questlove, who uh, makes a lot of uh, really, really great music. His band is uh, The Roots. So I, I would trust him. You young people would know that. <laughs> he's he's great. So I, I actually saw he was making the film and I was like, oh, that'll be great. And then I actually read a little bit more about what it was about. And then I got very excited uh, about it. So yeah, Summer of Soul no, with the subtitle or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. So I think, yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think that tells you all you need to know. It's going to be in cinemas as well uh, from July 16th. And then you'll be able to watch it on Disney Plus at no extra charge, I think, from July 30th. So that's when you'll be able to see that at home. Great. 
and where do you want to go next what film do you want to uh discuss next esther you're you're the boss you're you're the one leading us i'll let you decide I've got Matt Damon on my mind because of the standing ovation in Cannes last week that he got for Stillwater, which is one of my favourite filmmakers in the world. I've loved Tom McCarthy ever since he made a little film called Station Agent well over 10 years ago now. It's a beautiful film. It's a lovely little film, a little American indie, very sweet, quite funny, um, featuring a young Peter Dinklage uh, in the lead role and a young um, Bobby Cannaval and Patricia Clarkson as well. It's a lovely American indie, very quirky, very funny, but also has a real heart to it. And uh, he had me at the station agent, Tom McCarthy, and um, he made some great films since then, including, of course, the fantastic Spotlight, that old school, brilliant expose of the terrible abuse that was going on in America amongst members of the Catholic Church and how that was exposed by a, a, a team of very dedicated journalists. You know, it's the kind of movie that makes you want to go into journalism on, isn't it? Spotlight. <laughs> uh, I love it. Every time that it's on the TV, and it seems to be on the TV uh, an awful lot, it's it's always one that I, that I just leave on and just keep watching just because I've seen it a good few times now and I just enjoy it more and more on every uh, rewatch. So I saw Tom McCarthy's name was attached to this and it, it kind of got me more excited than Matt Damon, but Matt Damon's rocking a big manly beard on poster for Stillwater. Is. is he is he playing like a big big action man is is this a return to Bourne for for Matt Damon Jason Bourne it's, if Jason Bourne was to make a redneck trilogy <laughs> this might be no it wouldn't even be halfway it uh it's no he's playing yeah he is though he's rocking the beard and rocking the check shirt I can't wait to see this he plays an American oil rig Roughneck, they call him a roughneck in the film's description, who travels to, to France to visit his daughter. Um, she's in prison for a murder she claims to be innocent of. And he has to try and get her home, get her out. Uh, but he's confronted with the language barriers, the legal system and the cultural differences involved. So he's kind of got all of that going on. Uh, and I, I think it's going to be great this one. It got a really rapturous response to Cannes last night. And I'm telling you, the French don't stand up and clap unless you're doing it right. The, and they'll boo you as quick as look at you as well. You know, that's part of the theatre of Cannes. Uh, it can be a wonderful or very cruel place for an actor on a world premiere. Uh, and the response to the film to me is, is quite exciting. And the fact that it's, you know, Tom McCarthy's first films at spotlight he's going to step up what else is he going to do right yeah this one is coming out at the start of august in ireland i think and i think irish people just love matt damon he spent uh the first lockdown last year in uh i think wasn't it in south dublin so i think ireland has kind of adopted him a little bit and so maybe people will be very excited to see him in his first role uh since since lockdown as well uh, i i think it's gas that all the americans are trying to out out damon matt damon now you know since he turned up with the super value bag we've got like mac dr mcdreamy outside the chipper in dublin going dead bleeding deadly chips and i think everyone's at it now they all want to be irish really young you know <laughs> um, uh, and so th- that's probably one for uh, the adults particularly the Irish adults of course but what about uh, one for the kids as well if Black Widow is maybe a little too um, old for some of the younger film watchers in your family what about The Croods 2 I'll be honest Esther I hadn't heard of The Croods 1 so this is a completely new one on me is it is it good The Croods should should I know this is this like misfits or something that I should that like my niece and nephew are already like they already have all of the merchandise for this should should I know what it is <laughs> Well it's for kids that's for sure but I like the animation in the first one it's um what was the film that spawned um the Minions spin-off Despicable Me. Despicable Me, yeah. Not quite up there with that, but that kind of little um, anarcho kind of spirit to it and that kind of cutting edge style of animation as well. It's good looking. So they're a prehistoric family, the Croods. And this one, the sequel sees them looking for a safer place to live. Um, if kids have seen the first film, they'll know why they're trying to find a safer place to live. Uh, and they find this kind of walled in area that meets most of its needs but 
they also have to live with this new family um, called the Better Mans because they're a couple of steps up above the crudes on the evolutionary ladder. Um, what better name for a family than that? So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I think, you know, there's been a lack for obvious reasons. It's been chaotic in terms of scheduling cinema and t- films being closed and stuff. And I do think younger kids have really missed out in the last year in storytelling. So it's kind of nice to see stuff like this coming back and, and being released in, in cinemas for them to go and see. And I'm sure the parents, by the time this comes out, two or three weeks into trying to keep the kids entertained during school holidays, would be very happy to see the crews coming back as well. Yeah, and you mentioned his name earlier. I see Peter Dinklage lends his voice to a pretty stellar cast. It's got Leslie Mann in it, Emma Stone, voices one of the characters as well and Nicolas Cage is the main uh, guy in it as well who plays Grug so it's a pretty good uh, vocal cast so maybe I should be checking out the, the crudes. <laughs> um, the first one did really well it just really caught fire it, it found a big audience you know so I do think you'd see more of these and if they're as good as the first one that's fine by me. You know? Moving on to something which I'm presuming isn't for the kids Esther boys from County Hell. I don't know now. The kids might like an old slasher Dracula horror movie, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't? I'm joking, mommy. I'm joking. (laughs) I'm looking forward to this. Again, like we've missed out on Irish cinema this year and there's a heap of stuff coming up now in kind of between now and September. There's a lot to look forward to, including this one that is set in the north um, and, and directed by Chris Bow, who did a pretty nifty feature a few years ago called Bad Day for the Cut and he's cast a good cast here including uh, Louise Harland from Derry Girls, Jack Rowan and I haven't seen it but I like the sound of this it sounds to be kind of partly horror satire partly uh, gore fest in itself but also leans into the idea of um, this sleepy little Irish town called Six Mile Hill where there's a very spurious, very spurious connection to uh, the author Bram Stoker and the locals uh, exploit that to the hilt to try and get tourists in and try and scare them and stuff. So I like I like a kind of a, a, a horror thriller that has a bit of self-awareness going on. I think those kind of films can be a lot of fun. Uh, so apparently this vampire if you believe the locals, if, if you're an American tourist and you believe the locals, right, there's this ancient legendary vampire that's said to have inspired Dracula. Um, but nobody local really believes it, except one night when the, the two, two of the protagonists are out with a digger and they expose this kind of untouched piece of ground that locals are a bit superstitious about um, by accident and they move the earth and if you've ever seen 10 minutes of a horror film on, you'll know what's going to happen next. <laughs> it's like, lads, don't go into the basement. Have you not ever seen another horror film? <laughs> don't disturb the burial grounds, whatever you do. OK, we'll, we'll brace for the scares. So uh, with that one coming, boys from County Hell, do you know, is that in cinemas? Is it going to be on streaming? That yeah, that is going to be in cinemas in August. Uh, I don't have an exact release date. I think it's early August. Okay, great. And we're almost there now with uh, your picks. Uh, we've got two from the streamers, which people probably have. They're probably bringing it uh, with them on holiday, whether on uh, the tablet for the kids that they might steal later in the evening. But you've got a Netflix recommendation and a Prime video recommendation for us. So what should people be checking out on Netflix? The Netflix recommendation is probably one for when the kids go into bed, or unless you're a teenager, of course. The Fear Street trilogy, the first one of these have landed already. There are three kind of inter, uh, intertwining features set in different time periods. Uh, the first one's already dropped, uh, set in 1994, and it got really well reviewed, actually. So I'm kind of keen. I'm waiting for them all to come out together and watch three of them um, together because I want to see how the stories inter intertwine. But we've got two more on the way, uh, set in 1978 and 1966. I know Netflix had high hopes for these ones, and uh, the reviews for the first one so far has been outstanding. Wow. So it's three feature-length films all released within a couple of weeks of each other. 
Yeah, over three weeks. Um, so that's kind of that's their big tentpole kind of event films for this year. Uh, and all, all, all based around horror, psychological thrillers as well. Yeah, some of the characters I think are are, are intertwining in, in, in and out of them as well. The reason I'm being vague is because I love to not know anything about a film before I watch it. So that's um. Do Do you ever worry when it is a trilogy like that? I'm just thinking: Are we sure it's a film? Is it one film? Is it three films? Is it is it a series? Yeah, I would, I, that's what has intrigued me about it. Actually, I want to kind of see what they do with that, what the filmmakers do with that. Uh, and what is the idea of setting it in different eras and stuff? I assume there's familial and, uh, t- you know, ties to, to different characters and stuff like that. So I do, I like the sound of it. And what about Jolt, which is coming on uh, Prime Video as well? Just before we pressed record, you were very excited to see Kate Beckinsale back in a feature role. I love her. She's great. I love Kate Beckinsale baiting people up. Sure. What else do you want of a summer's evening? You know, it's a, it's a good cast. This one, though, it's a good cast. Uh, I would be very encouraged by the cast here. Kate Beckinsale, Bobby Cannavale, Jai Courtney, Laverne Cox, Susan Sarandon and Stanley Tucci in supporting roles. Gosh, that's daring. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, it's set around this idea of this woman named Lindy. She has uh, this lifelong neurological disorder um, that I've never come across this one before that causes her to experience these sporadic, rage-filled, murderous impulses um, that can only be stopped when she shocks herself with a special device. So the next time I lose my temper, oh, I'm going to use that as an excuse, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's a mad premise. Uh, She can't find... You know, it's ruined her life, basically. She can't find love uh, and, and her condition's a bit bizarre. So people, you know, can't trust friendship either. But she falls in love. Only to find out that he's been murdered the next day. Shock horror. I'm just going to go do, do, do and leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's coming out uh, later in July. July 23rd is the release date I have uh, in front of me here. I mean, that's an audacious plan i just don't know what to think of that i just hope it works because i'd be well on board for that <laughs> uh that's great that is a great list of movies for people to look forward to i didn't want to um surprise you but you didn't have uh the movie that i'm most looking forward to this summer if, oh, if i could on. lay it on you space jam a new legacy oh yes you're a big space jam fan yeah oh space jam is i think it was a big part of my childhood of course michael uh jordan 1996 at the height of his fame and so he's not in this one maybe he might have a guest role i'm not sure but uh it's lebron james the heir to michael jordan in nba is taking over (laughs) uh with the looney tunes so i can't wait for this like genuinely i'm really really excited a lot of people seem a bit wary of it, but I think it's going to be good. I have high hopes. This could make or break my summer. It's got the Looney Tunes. Even if the humans don't show up, it's got the Looney Tunes. Yeah, it's a good call, actually, because I think I was probably too busy being a goth by the time it came out to really appreciate it. But, I, you know, there is a whole generation who will be rooting for this, won't they? And I think it could find a new generation as well, couldn't it? Because Looney Tunes would be quite retro, wouldn't they? It might, it might be a, a chance to find a whole new audience there with those brilliant characters. Yeah, it's one that I'm really looking forward to uh, this summer. But uh, I think that that is a fine list that we've put together of films to look forward to in summer Absolutely. 2021. So uh, listen, Esther, thanks a million for joining the Great Irish Summer Podcast. Thanks for having me on. All the best. Okay, so that was Esther McCarthy talking about her favorite films and ones to look forward to over the summer. And now we're on to our favorite books of the year so far and uh, ones that we're maybe packing in our bags and taking to the beach to get through. One thing I'm looking forward to is not having anything to do and being able to try and dive back into it because uh, I found that in recent weeks I've actually struggled a little bit to... Uh, finished books to even pick up books. I think my concentration span has taken a real hit over recent months, maybe even the past 18 months. Um, Des, what what about you? Have you have you found it similar that like you're you're not reaching for the books, you're you're reaching for something else like your phone instead? 
Yes, absolutely. And I had that experience through lockdown, started on a few books and just didn't finish them. I don't know, to the condition of the times. Or also, I think we haven't been meeting up and getting the word of mouth on books and people saying, oh, you have to read this one. So it's a bit of trial and error. Marjorie, I don't know, have you felt the same or have you been packing in the reading? You have loads of recommendations for us today. <laughs> well, I suppose the joys of the job is I have to read a lot. But yeah, I've, I've struggled, you know, um, I've spoken to writers who have struggled with writing and reading. So, you know, I don't think it's unusual that, that people would have shorter concentration spans. Like you said, I think a lot of doom scrolling going on uh, under the guise of uh, news about COVID. Kind of hard to get away from that when you start. So that's where I think something like short stories come in. You know, I read a lot of short story collections this year, old and new. I dug into my old Alice Munro, who was just masterful when it comes to short stories. I recommend anyone looking for, you know, some older stuff to, to look at her. Kevin Barry's new collection was great. I would have expected that. Louise Kennedy's collection. I struggled maybe, yeah, to, to read, but there was no let up in the number of books being published. Though. The number of people I see, you know, on Twitter or whatever, talking about their uh, to be read piles are tottering so uh, publishing certainly there was no let up you know uh, lots and lots of books maybe you know wavered in quality a bit I think if we if we're allowed to say that but, uh, <laughs> we, we won't yeah. name names but um yeah, yeah I, I yeah. found myself reaching for short story collections as well um two that I'd recommend are Pure Gold by uh John Patrick McHugh which is like a nice size fits easily into any bag so you won't you won't even feel it so that's a great uh collection and one that you mentioned as well Louise Kennedy's The End of the World is brilliant I think it's for fans of Kevin Barry I think people will really really enjoy it and one that I picked up last week in uh Water stones a recent release is brandon taylor's new collection filthy animals he was nominated for the booker prize last year so really really looking forward to reading uh, that collection what other books have you been enjoying so this year marjorie one that i thought was excellent and went somewhat under the radar i actually interviewed the author austin duffy is 10 days definitely deserves um, a read i think he was shortlisted for the the Kerry Group novel there a couple of years back, exquisitely written, kind of a meditation on mortality, dementia, but not as not as grim as that sounds, just beautifully handled, great sense of place. It's set in New York. I'm guessing that Austin, who is an oncologist and a cancer researcher uh, by day, maybe doesn't have much time to be on the old publicity bandwagon. So definitely recommend that one. Early Riser by Catherine Heine, another great kind of quirky read set in, a, in, in an American mid, Midwest city. She did Standard Deviation before, which is also excellent. On the Irish scene, Ema Ryan holding her breath. Ema uh, writes about GAA for The Examiner, had a great short story in Winter Pages a good few years ago about Camogie. Holding her breath is about an elite swimmer and her grandfather is a famous poet and yeah, really held my attention and, you know, beautifully written as well. So I'd recommend that. And I'm looking forward to reading White City by Kevin Power, which has been highly recommended by a lot of people. And the 32, an anthology of Irish working class voices. So that's 16 established working class writers paired with 16 new voices. Um, so I'm looking forward to reading that. And also in August, we have John Boyne, The Echo Chamber, uh, I think that will make for an interesting read, considering John has had a few run-ins of his own on the echo chamber. That is Twitter. I think he's been cancelled a few times at this stage. So it'll be interesting to see whether that feeds into the novelistic experience as such. Yeah, and, and I think it is worth setting time aside as well. Maybe take another holiday at the start of September because Sally Rooney's <laughs> got a new book coming Sally out as Rooney. well. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's coming, yeah, start of September. I've seen a few chosen people with proofs going around the place. So to say that will be eagerly anticipated on is a bit of an understatement, doesn't it? Yeah, that it's beautiful world. Where are you? So uh, that's coming from Sally Rooney. I can't wait. 
to get that. Um, just some some books that I might recommend before we move on. Uh, my favorite book of the year so far is Thin Places by Kerry Niedokertig. It's a mix of kind of nature and Northern Irish history and Brexit is kind of impinging on it. And if that sounds like a weird mix, don't worry, it's so well written. It's masquerading as a memoir, but it's just so beautiful. And it's just got some really, really lovely passages and you really feel a connection with Kerry throughout this piece. I can't wait to read more from her. I think it's her debut. Another essay collection that I really enjoyed this year was Roisin Kybird's The Disconnect, which when you're on the beach and you're not on your phone, why not read about the internet and all of its effects that it's doing to you? Uh, this will make you worry about your activity in the past and it will make you worry about the future, but then you might just take a picture of the cover uh, on the beach and put it on Twitter or Instagram anyway, but it's uh, it's well worth uh, a read. And one name who's close to Cork is Lisa McInerney. She's concluded her Cork trilogy with The Rules of Revelation, which came out at the start of the summer. If you've never read The Glorious Heresies, that's definitely one that you should um, pack for the beach as well. I think it's absolutely brilliant and I can't wait to finish off the trilogy. I wasn't too sure whether to go back and read the first two books or just start straight into The Rules of Revelation. And I couldn't help myself. I, I did go straight into it. So if you're struggling to remember what happened in the first two books, I think you can pick up the rules of revelation and start straight into it and you'll pick it up and if you haven't read the other two books i think you can do that as well um des are, are there any books that you're going to be packing in your bag for your holidays yes uh, two lined up firstly leonard and hungry paul the road on hessian one i think a lot of people have read it at this stage but i've been hearing such great things about it so that's in the bag and another irish one at uh, billy o'callaghan's life sentences like the song that Ash spans goes from the famine on Cape Clear right up to modern Cork City. So looking forward to that. Great. And so that's what we're going to be doing on our holidays, what we're going to be watching, what we're going to be streaming and what we're going to be reading. What about in the car on the way to holidays? What music, Des, are you planning on getting set up on your phone or are you buying on CDs and blasting out in the car to get everybody excited about holidays? <laughs> There'd be a bit the usual battle in the car on the way of Irish albums this year for those I love. Absolutely brilliant. I think it's really touched a lot of people. So good musically, so much emotion that it's oh, an Irish classic, I think. And I'm really looking forward to hearing the New Villagers album as well. Yeah, that New Villagers album, I think it's Conor O'Brien's fifth and it's it's ever more jazz influenced. So um, I think people will really, really enjoy that. I think it's one that you could play for the family all together in the car. Two that I might mention are also from Ireland, both released on the same day at the end of June. Saint Sister released their second album, Where I Should End, and not quite similarly, Kojak released his debut album, Towns Dead. Kojak is an absolutely brilliant rapper from Dublin, and this is 45-ish minute album, and it sounds very much like his declaration to the world that uh, he has arrived, and that's definitely how it feels. It's uh, it's so good. The title track samples a girl band song and uh, it'll, it'll just get you so excited saint sister meanwhile just do harmonies so well so if, if you like that and you love really really lovely sounding uh music i'd highly recommend where i should end marjorie what about you what are you um going to be listening to this summer well, yeah, a bit like Des, I've outsourced my Spotify list to the younger members of the household. So Olivia Rodrigo has been on heavy rotation. And you know something I don't mind because it's a great, great pop album and like perfect summer listening, you know, roll down the old windows and let it blast out. But I must say it's kind of I'm reliving my teenage angst somewhat you know <laughs> but yeah a great great album i see she got into a bit of hot water there people were accusing her of lifting some of elvis costello's um of for one of her songs brutal and um, it's funny because when i heard it i thought it sounded like elastica remember them jez <laughs> i'm too young don't <laughs> yeah. um so it's funny you know it just goes show i don't think there's anything new under the sun but he he absolved her anyway and said but everybody borrows from everybody else I'm also really enjoying not so summer kind of 
for the car, but uh, Declan O'Rourke Arrivals, which is actually produced by Paul Weller, of all people, who is a huge fan of Declan's. Yeah. So uh, I just love his voice. I just love his voice. Everything else kind of comes after that, but like beautifully sung, arranged, really, really lovely to listen to. And I think Galileo is still one of the all time greats. I don't know whether it's because of lockdown or what, but I seem to have emerged from the year as a jazz fan with two of my favourites being in the jazz section of the record store. Uh, First Sons of Kemet, uh, Back to the Future album, just great stuff. Also reminds me of one of the last gigs I was at, which would have been Electric Picnic. And the other one is Promises, which had uh, jazz legend Pharaoh Saunders and Floating Points playing with the London Symphony Orchestra. And it's just gorgeous, gorgeous piece. Great. Yeah, uh, I've actually been listening to a lot more jazz as well in the past year. So I don't think you're alone there, Des. I have also been listening to a lot of pop music as well. And two of the big albums coming out this summer are Billie Eilish, Happier Than Ever, which is coming out on my birthday, July 30th. It's the follow up to When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go, which was world conquering from Billie Eilish. So I can't wait to see what she does on the second album. Can it possibly be any bigger than the first one? And Lord is releasing her third album, Solar Power, on August 20th. Uh, we've heard the title track might sound a little bit like George Michael, some people might say, and The Estate of George Michael actually came out and gave it their blessing and said, yeah, it's grand. I think George will be happy with that. So uh, looking forward to seeing what Lord comes out with on her new album later this summer. Leon Bridges also has a new album coming out on July 23rd called Gold Digger Sound. I kind of associate him with the summer. He's got some really, really great summery, sunny soul music. He's got a couple of albums out already that you can check out on on Spotify, of course. One of them is called Texas Sun, which should tell you all you need to know about Leon Bridges. So his new album, Gold Digger Sound, uh, on July 23rd is one that I'm looking forward to. Are there any other uh, music bits that you want to mention? Just another one to watch out for. How long do you think it's going to last? That's landing on August 27th. It's a collaboration between Justin Vernon of Bonnie Verse and Aaron Dessner of The National, who is a good friend of Cork's and Mary Hickson's, formerly of the Opera House. So that'll be interesting. I think um, Lisa Hannigan is featuring and another favourite of mine, uh, Robin Pecknold of The Fleet Foxes. So I'm looking forward to hearing that. Yeah, I, th- I think that we've we've covered plenty today. There's lots more that we could mention as well. But I think if people have had a pen and paper and have been taking notes, I think that you'll have filled up your page. So maybe we should leave it there. By the way, I never asked, where, where are you guys off to for the summer? Have you got your summer holidays booked? We're off to, um, to Washford. I wouldn't be going that far now. <laughs> uh, Washford is the place to be. It's got everything on. I'm going in the opposite direction, far, far West Cork, or Kerry, as some people call it. <laughs> I love it. We, we, we might make a jaunt to far, far West Cork too. Yeah, I'm, I, th- I think a lot of people are going to be going uh, west for uh, the summer. So I think I might join you as well in far, far west Cork, Des. Uh, listen, Marjorie and Des, thanks a million for joining on the Great Irish Summer Podcast. Coming up next week is going to be the third and final part. It's going to be all about food. So make sure that you tune back in for that. But uh, yeah, I've been Ono Sullivan. Uh, thank you, Marjorie. And thank you, Des.